Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Machine Learning. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and this week we're talking to Miguel Morales. Miguel, do you want to say hello and introduce yourself real quick? Hey, everybody, Miguel here. So I work as a research engineer at Lockheed Martin, Missiles of Fire Control, Autonomous Systems. I, uh, I'm also a part-time instructional associate at Georgia Tech. I teach the course on reinforcement learning and decision-making, the master's course. And I, I'm the author of Rocking Deep Reinforcement Learning. So I'm uh, happy to be here. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Wow, you sound way smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that much. It works, you know, you got to work a lot to actually, you know, get through in this thing, but, but it's not. It's not yeah. the brains. It's not the brains. It's the persistence, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you like it, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure yeah. that you know a lot more about audio equipment than me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah. So uh, anyway, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about reinforcement learning. And I, I kind of, when we get into these topics, like to start at the basic level, right? So yeah. why don't we start out with what is reinforcement learning? Yeah. So the way I like to see reinforcement learning is a a sort of okay so the solution to the artificial intelligence problems a solution a proposed solution in this solution in particular tells you that well there's a you know it's something that you can intuitively understand which is that living creatures usually go after things right after rewards they have a purpose right we call it in reinforcement learning mm-hmm. a reward right so the 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 idea of reinforcement learning is like how do we model this kind and we can get philosophical about that but you know the bottom line is how do we get a similar paradigm of learning so that beings not humans or not animals but artificial can have an in, an incentive a desire something that they want to go after so in reinforcement learning the idea there is that you reinforce the agent by giving it rewards, uh, people sometimes call it punishment, but you know, negative, positive, but just a, nu- a numeric signal that is delayed, uh, mm-hmm. that is uncertain. You don't know what you get. You try to go after something, and but intelligent agents learn to balance that kind of short-term reward in order to obtain the longer-term rewards. Right. So when gotcha. you go, you invest. Right. Some money you go like, well, I, I don't know. I don't want to put a thousand dollars in this bank. Well, why would I do that? I'd rather have the thousand dollars. Like you put mm-hmm. it and then you watch it grow or sometimes goes down, but you gotta, you know, kind right. of relax a little bit and then wait until it goes back up. And and that in society we usually see folks that can successfully balance those kind of short term rewards for trade it off with a with a long term uh values 
and mm-hmm. words as the smartest guys, right? Right. You were you were able to to defer instant gratification and you know go after the big thing. And reinforcement learning is basically the same thing. So reinforcement learning kind of gives you a let's say a way to model basically any problem, virtually any problem that you can think of, you can model it for mm-hmm. reinforcement learning. And then it also gives you, you know, a, a bunch of algorithms and, you know, strategy, strategies and, and, you know, things that you kind of start learning. Okay, so this, these are better agents than this and so on. So right. that, that's, I think, you know, a good way to introduce reinforcement learning. Right. It sounds like, to me, like training a dog, right? My sister was going through this the other day with us because she just moved back in with her in-laws and they have, uh, what was it? It was a... Uh, it's a bigger breed of dog, a Labrador puppy, right? And so it's like a year old, but it's a lot bigger than her two-year-old, right? And so it'll just run him over, right? It's just like, <laughs> hey, 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 let's play, let's play, you know? And he's, <laughs> so, you know, and, and he wants to play with you. And so he's jumping up on you, right? And so, you know, they took him to a training thing. And then from then on, yeah, she'd sit down, right? And so he'd sit down and she'd give him a treat, Right. And then, uh, you know, get get off the couch. And so, you know, she, he'd get off the couch and she'd give him a treat, right? And so after a while, then you have this good behavior from this dog and it's just automatic. Right, right. Does that and, make and sense? Yeah, yeah. And and the dog, you know, after that, you don't need to give it a treat anymore. The dog goes after the sort of quote-unquote right. long-term or the, mm-hmm. the, okay, my owner is happy and everything is good. This is This is all good. Yep. Of course, a, a pat is always good, but good boy is always good, but it's not required. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Very it's, cool. It's, it's, yeah, exactly so, like that. So, so how do you do this for computers, right? Because, boy, if I could give my computer a treat and get it to do what I want, that, that would be easy. But, the, yeah, this seems like it might be a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. So I think the, the, the way to go about this is, okay, unfortunately, these AI agents are not, you know, huge black boxes that we just put stuff in and, you know, outcomes, the smartest thing in the world. Right. When you see success stories such as AlphaGo, very popular, or, you know, uh, uh, Open5 uh, from OpenAI, uh, mm-hmm. Star, AlphaStar, all of those, you know, cool things. You know what? They, they, cannot, they cannot figure out, like, AlphaGo is not able to play StarCraft, period. Right. And AlphaGo is the best at Go. I mean, and that's a very mm-hmm. complex game. Like, that's, Kind of sad when you think about it, because I think I could play decent StarCraft and decent Go. Well, not quite, but chess, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, the point is they're really not general the way they, mm. that we would like to. Right. So the way to create such a solution to a problem is first to actually model the problem. And uh-huh. and there is such a, you know, there's, you know, something called Markov decision processes. And they kind of give you a, a kind of blueprint as to what a, an AI of this kind needs and, you know, what are sort of the conditions and the assumptions for best learning, to, for, for them to, mm-hmm. to learn, you know, good. And then, you know, the, the, the way to go about this is just you, you basically follow that, you know, that blueprint and, and you can create environments that do things, right? And, you know, in fact, I mean, I unfortunately cannot, talk about the details, but that's what I do in my full-time job, right? So, you know, right. uh, uh, Lockheed Martin. So you you basically try to create environments that 
that an AI agent would be able to play to interact with and you know explore different things and then learn how to solve your your problem now these agents are not general enough in some sense they're general enough in some other sense and i know that's kind of confusing but you know the the thing is that the same agent you can train well there's some conditions but you can train some of the same agents in other in different problems as long as you okay. model other problems in quote unquote their language, right? Right. And, and their language is pretty, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's like they need an observation, they need a way to influence the environment, we call it an action. And then after you use that sort of action in the in the in the environment, we can call it simulation, then something happens in the simulator, and then there's a new observation that the agent can observe, can take in, and then the agent is gonna select another action and so on. So that that API right. basically is pretty pretty basic, pretty straightforward. And you can think of many problems that, you know, that, that you, you can model many problems in such a way. So in reality, so even though, even though it's, let's say, not generally enough that we can just push a button and make it, you know, run or do our, our laundry or whatever, mm-hmm. right? We, if the problem is modeled correctly, you can do many things, fly aircraft. Um, I mean, we can do, we can do many, many, many things. Really. Very cool. Very, very cool. So how do you set that space up, right, so that it can go explore? Because, I don't know, it seems like a lot of work to think of all the possibilities of all the things that it could do, right? Yeah. And and the funny, the funny thing about that is that uh, sometimes, or I would say this, like most of the time, and it just happened a couple of days ago to me too, you don't think of things and uh-huh. those AIs find them. I mean, if you don't think of things, they are going <laughs> to think of things. They're going to go after it or uh, all the little loopholes. So the, the way you do it is you you, you kind of model the environment. We call it the environment. That said, you know, okay. the, the other side of the agent is the environment. And then so you model that environment in such a way you, you can use a simulator, right, to put some mm-hmm. conditions and so on. But, you know, it's an iterative process. You you know, when you hook up an, an agent is going to find loopholes. Oh, I assume that, you know, the agent was never going to, you know, fly west and, you know, and all of a sudden it did and something happened right. after that, right? So those kind of things are, I think, you know, fun to, or it, it's kind of fun to see the, 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 how we humans are really not perfect thinkers at all optimal mm-hmm. in this case in, in the in the context of uh, reinforcement learning we don't think optimally at all but you know, you know we can we've been doing okay i guess <laughs> and we'll take a lot of things for granted i was gonna i was sitting here thinking i was like yeah if i was building the plane simulator ai i'd be the guy that forgot about gravity right because i just i wasn't thinking about it and you know i was thinking it moves through the air at the greatest of speed right and uh, you know oh right if if we turn off thrust and we're not creating lift that sucker's gonna fall yeah yeah and so yeah yeah. yeah, you know then then you look at your model and you go oh wow yeah that's wrong it's interesting but it's wrong yeah and there's so so many nuances that we don't realize because you know i'm not a pilot so i really Mm -hmm. don't know how to fly this thing but you know if i'm tasked to with you know have a create an agent that flies an f-16 then you know you 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 gotta you gotta start kind of first of all learning things and then when you give that AI control of the stick, the rudder, the in the throttle, everything, then you start going like, well, why is it hap- Why is this happening, right? And then you have to right. kind of get expert advice and be like, okay, so well, when this happens, that so sometimes the AI actually has trouble going through things that are, I guess you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
should be basic, perhaps. Or, for instance, an AI does not care if the aircraft is flying like like crazy, unless you tell right. them, you know. But the there, I mean, oh, I'm dizzy. I mean, who cares? It do, doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, so even though we don't like that kind of behavior, it doesn't really matter. The, the AI is not trying to optimize for smoothness, unless you tell right. it to do so, right? And right. you can use like angles. So if you bump your angles, your roll angles and your pitch angles too much, then, you know, you get a minus one, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you, I don't like that. But right. But here's the, the very, very interesting point in reinforcement learning is aren't you distracting your AI from the main goal, which is destroy that other aircraft over there by saying, oh, and by the way, fly smoothly. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care. Are you going to destroy that other guy or not? Right. So that's right. The, the, the bottom line. And, and I think that our biases. So in reinforcement learning, we have an opportunity to remove our biases. Right. I think AlphaGo actually had a really uh, was a really good example. And I think the success there was that even though they started adding biases by doing like supervised mm-hmm. machine learning early on and kind of they call it pre-training. So they have an AI, a base AI that knows what to do. And then they give them also like, you know, points for like well-known formations and things like that. I don't know the details exactly, but it was somewhat like that. At the end, the alpha zero basically had zero, or that was the goal, mm-hmm. to have zero bias and just have a self-play. So an AI basically that has no bias whatsoever as to what is a good move or, you know, or you should look at, you know, for this kind of patterns on the, on the table. That AI basically says, I want you to win. And, you know, in, in one of the, the games against the, 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 the Grandmaster, I guess there was this, you know, famous move that I, I even recall, I, I recall watching it live and the guy was like, oh, that was a bad move. No, 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 no good, no good. And I'm like, well, you know, it was okay. It was mm-hmm. a good run. And then later by the, you know, down the, the end of, the, of that match, you know, uh, AlphaGo wins and, and then they are like all trying to analyze and go like, wait a minute. What about that move early on? That move actually influenced the whole thing. It's like, well, you know, humans had a huge bias there that that was a bad move. Right. And, you know, by just removing that bias, we mm-hmm. are able to discover, you know, different strategies that are perhaps better that our own, that, that our own, which is, you know, sounds kind of exciting. I don't know. It, it is exciting. And I, yeah, I remember looking at that and the explanation that I got was essentially, yeah, that the AI figured out that it needed to make moves and it, it did things that, yeah, a human just would never do. Right. And, and that's the point is, you know, what, what are the things that we're taking for granted, mm. you know, within the work that we're doing that we would never ever think to do. And yet that's the answer. Right. And I, I, I get excited about the possibilities there with like, you know, I know they're using AI in certain types of cancer research or mm. certain types of, you know, other, chemical or manufacturing processes. And I just keep imagining, okay, so what if it comes up with a physical structure for a bridge that we would never dream of, right? And then all of a sudden we have more stability, it's safer, you know, fill in the blank. And that's exciting because it's like, oh, wow, you know, how are we not even thinking to challenge ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, hopefully we are. It's just that it's taking a little longer, but hopefully we are. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. So one thing that uh, I kind of want to get into here, because this book's like 250 pages or, you know, more than that. But my question is, is 
okay, so we get in and we kind of figure out, okay, reinforcement learning, how does it actually work, right? Because, I mean, we kind of understand this behavior in, you know, dogs or people or, you know, whatever. But how does it work in an actual algorithm, right? How do you tell it that it's good or tell it that it's bad? And how does it, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of wondering about like the the math and the the properties of this and and how it works a little bit deeply more deeply. Yeah. So, well, I would say, you know, I well, it's kind of hard to go, you know, over sort of the details, right? Because I mean that, that this is this is a good opportunity to say go ahead mm-hmm. and buy the book. I mean, it, it, yes, it really. It's a it has lots of details, and I think I go into I go through these concepts like one step at a time, and I think that's mm-hmm. important. It's kind of hard to do it on and just like audio format but uh, i'm still obviously gonna you know uh talk about it but 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 i would say that the book actually does a pretty decent job at explaining these things now i can say that for instance that you know in a kind of i like to illustrate it what really happens but you can think of it as the ai right so you can you can have an environment let's think about an Mm -hmm. an environment in which you know you you reach a goal you obtain a plus one reward and you have other areas in which if you reach that area, you die and you get nothing, zero. Right. Okay? Now, in, this, in, the, in, uh, in reinforcement learning, very, very often we divide the sort of the trials of the agent. So the agent basically attempting to solve a problem as, as episodes. We call it episodes. Not always, Ooh, but I very like common. That. Yeah, it's an, an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jack Bauer save the world this time? Yeah, exactly so. Right. That's an episode one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only bad thing about these episodes is they're exactly the same. It's like Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they're just exactly the same. And then you get you get a chance to do it better and better each time. But, you know, the, the sort of, well, like you, can, you can modify things, okay, to be true to reinforcement learning, you can actually have that each episode starts slightly, slightly different, right? So you can say, you know, the aircraft is going to start flying at 15,000 feet versus 25, right? So those, that variability exists there. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And then, so the idea is to have the agent, um, you know, the first thing, let's say that, you know, you get a plus one for destroying that other aircraft, you get a minus one for crashing into the ground, right? And then mm-hmm. the AI starts flying, and gets a zero randomly at first right and then and and you see how hard this is going to be like if you just wait you know imagine that the only reward you get in life is you know after death you, well you you die and then you say you know somebody really comes and says like hey you did a good job and by the way you know the, you have no rewards for eating burgers or shakes or anything like there's nothing happy about that the only right. happiness comes at the end or or you know unhappiness or whatever right so it's pretty hard when you when you set it up that way. But, you know, let's continue with the example. You mm-hmm. you fly that aircraft, you get a plus one, you get a minus one, and so on. You can start making sense of these rewards and assigning kind of sort of what we call values to different states. For instance, if I crash into the ground, I got a minus one. And mm-hmm. the next time around, so I can actually start thinking, well, wait a minute. When I'm really close to crashing into the ground, that's pretty bad. I need to do something else because I'm crashing into the ground all the time <clears throat> and I get a minus one. So I try to avoid that. Let me try something different. All of a sudden, the agent learns to, okay, let me pull up that stick and see if I can actually get off this, you know, collision course. 
it pull up and then all of a sudden the aircraft moves and then he's like, wait, wait, I mean, so it wasn't that bad. I didn't crash. It wasn't a minus one. So when do I actually get the minus one? When do I not get the minus one? Right. And then you start making sense sort of backwards in that way, right? So you start propagating that value through all of your states and realizing, wait a minute, when I go low in altitude, that is actually pretty bad, especially if I'm diving down like this, that is a little bit dangerous. You should not be doing this thing. And then, you know, you iterate like that and that minus one gets propagated, but also the firing randomly the missile to the other guy and destroying that mm -hmm. other guy gets it propagates back into, you know, the, the the original, the initial state, what we call. Right. And then the agent starts making sense. Well, wait a minute. So if I fly left and then right and then starts creating basically a strategy. That's 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 bottom line. What really happens in, in reinforcement learning? I mean, in, in this case, I, I guess I described one type. Of, of reinforcement learning agents, value-based methods mm -hmm. uh, are exactly like that. You kind of, you know, propagate rewards back. Now that's in one hand, right? The other hand would be like, well, wait a minute. So, you know, if you as a human expert can somehow, quote unquote, teach this agent to do something such as, for instance, you know, hey, if you're nose diving, diving and, you know, you're a thousand feet, that, that's just really bad. Just don't do that. I mean, just stop it. Mm -hmm. So just just mostly so that you don't waste time and this agent learns faster because right. you know, it, it'll it'll take a long, 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 long time to actually get there. And, you know, in some cases, it, it would just not propagate correctly to the agent. There are so many variables, hyperparameters in there that, you know, it just it just is not magic. Right. So you start kind of telling them, OK, well, just avoid this altogether. I, I you know, you don't have to find out that crashing the aircraft is bad. I'll tell you that's bad. And so on. And you just continue to add that. That kind of process we call reward shaping. You start shaping the behavior of the agent in certain ways. Now, as we mm -hmm. discussed before, you know, shaping it is basically putting your biases into right. the agent. So you need to find a way to remove those biases later or, you know, maybe use that as a pre-training or so on. There are other methods of training, um, sort of, you know, self-play, right? So you can have an aircraft that, you know, one is an AI and it's playing against a version of itself. And then, so there's always going to be a winner there. Somebody's going to die. Somebody's not going to die. And then what you do is it, you cycle through them, basically. And then you're going to be learning much, much, much faster. Right? So I think that would be a good, um, you know, intuitive sense of um, of uh, how how they actually learn in computer, in, in you know, when you code up a, a, an agent, it's basically that the rewards start propagating through the states and then the right. agent basically starts making sense of well from this state i have a chance to get this reward i have a chance to get this other reward mm -hmm. what is really the value of this state i mean because a reward is one thing a value is another thing right a value kind of encapsulates the sort of long-term expected reward so we're not talking mm -hmm. just about one single signal we're talking about a, a variety of bunch of different signals that you can get in that state. So one state, when you when you try to summarize all of those re rewards that are potential from that state, then we're talking about what what its value function is what is called in, in, in reinforcement learning, and and the value function is really what the agents are in in their brains, right? They're trying to calculate value functions again, not all agents but for the most part i just you know want to keep it simple <laughs> value functions and policies and so on and, and that way the agent can make 
uh, sense as to, okay, what do I do based on what I currently know? So if I'm in, current, in a current state and I have five different possible actions, right? I know that, well, selecting, you know, in this state, selecting this action is going to give me this much. Ex I expect to get this much reward. And this other one, I expect to get this much and so on. And then you, you make sense of that. Uh, you select the action. You, you have a two, two way to go about this, right? You can select the action. And this is another very interesting thing in reinforcement learning is that you can go after the action you think is best, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's fair. If you are like sure that you know everything in life, then, you know, go after it because, <laughs> right? But if you do not. You, you know my kids. They know everything in life. <laughs> Right, like like that. I do have kids too. <laughs> so if, if you think you you know everything in life, you go after it. If you think that you perhaps don't know everything, then you you continue to explore. You go like, well, I don't really know. I think this may be the best thing, but let me try this one. Let's see if this one works uh -huh. well, and so on. And then right. you know you start exploring is what we call there, uh, right? So you you start letting mm -hmm. the agent explore. I can explore selecting actions that I don't think are the best. But because I know that my knowledge is not perfect, because, you know, it's my estimate of what I've seen in life, then I continue to uh, to try actions that are that are currently not my best estimate. Right. And I get a sample. I say, well, it was or it was not. Right. And so on. And then right. you continue to modify that beha your behavior in that case. That makes right. sense. I yep. I fired the missile five seconds earlier and I got you know, I got a better score basically because yeah. it destroyed it faster or, you know, oh, I yeah. fired it way too early and this is not the optimum way to do this, yeah. right? It, it, it ran out of fuel. There you go. Yeah. It ran yeah. out of fuel. It didn't do anything. I'm now two missiles. The other guy has four. I'm in trouble, right? Yep. So yeah. yeah, exactly so. Exactly so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One other thing that I'm wondering about, and I'm wondering if this like everything else in programming just basically boils down to you have to do this a bunch. But I'm wondering if you have any pointers on, let's say that I build out the environment, I put my agent in it, you know, I, I tell it, okay, you know, these outcomes are positive, these outcomes are negative, you know, maybe you have a sliding scale for the time it takes or things like that. And then I put it in there and it's just not doing well at all. How do you start evaluating that to say, okay, I need to change the environment or I need to change the agent or I need to change some other factor that I'm not even thinking about? Like, how do you start tweaking it so you can get the outcome you want? Because yeah, my experience with a lot of things like this is the first time is just going to be an utter disaster. I'm not going to get what I want at all, right? So how do I start getting closer to that so that I can, you know, get an agent that's going to do what I want? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a, <laughs> um, it's a, it's a pretty hard. I think that's really you know where 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 we need more people, where we need to hire more people because it's it's pretty challenging, right? And mm -hmm. and the thing is like the actual sort of the, you're talking about the practical side of reinforcement learning. The practical right. side, that is hard. You know, it's pretty fun to talk about rewards and things like that. And I love it when people go like, ah, oh, I trained this agent to do this. And then, you know, I, I, like I said, I work at Georgia Tech and you go into their homework or whatever and they have, you know, it, it was just a coincidence or it wasn't really implemented correctly or whatever, right? And you're like, ah, man, reinforcement learning, this is unfortunate. Sometimes it works for the wrong reasons. <laughs> sometimes, it, sometimes it doesn't work because you have a tiny little bug. And he's like, yeah. Oh. It sucks. It, it really sucks, man. Well, so what I would say is, you know, I, I, that that comes to a sort of, uh, you know, 
a programming practice or software engineering practice. But right. in this case, I would definitely, you know, unit test, slow down, create breakpoints on your on your b- workflow and really make sure that you, number one, I would say first, go after the environment as opposed to the agent. Do not try to develop both, right? So just mm-hmm. copy an agent from my book, copy an agent from, uh, from the web, use an open AI agent, use a whatever, just do not mess with the agents at first and start very simple. So as opposed to going like, I'm going to get an agent with a attention net and I'm going to do something really cool with an LSTM and I have so many ideas that I can do here. Yeah, okay, fine. But don't do that just yet, right? Start with the environment, kind of isolate the problem, right? So the problem is first the mm-hmm. environment and start testing all of your assumptions one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, boom, boom, boom. The next thing, then you go to the agent. Once you think the environment is adequate and you created the rewards the way that you think is right and you tested it and, and it makes sense, right? After I destroy it, like, you know, for instance, in this missile example, like how do you, like what, what is going to happen when both run out of missiles? Is it is it a tie? Are you making bo- that assumption, you know, are you actually coding that assumption or is there right. something... That, that's actually something that you don't think of at first. Well, wait, wait mm-hmm. I mean, are they both run out of missiles? They, yeah, they, they could. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, okay. How about when they both crash exactly at the same time? And you may say, no, that's impossible. Well, it's possible. Especially when you run millions and millions and millions and millions of episodes, right? Right. Um, then it is possible. What are you going to do in that assumption? Well, I don't know. Who wins? With, does does blue, blue or red? or it, No, it's right. a tie. Okay, well... Oh, hey, make sure you have that assumption in right at test case, right? That that actually tests exactly that. And like that, right? You, you, you go over all of those kind of basic assumptions first when you create the environment, and then you move to the agent side, right? Mm-hmm. And and in the agent side, you, you have a fixed, quote unquote, fixed environment, but you know, we know that it's not gonna be right. At least you start tweaking the agent and creating the models that you want if you're doing a deep reinforcement learning agent, then, you know, add the networks that you want, call them up, make sure that is valid, whatnot, test that same agent in different environments, not just in yours, in different Mm -hmm. environments and see the performance of that single agent in the different environments. And then, you know, pair it with your environment and start tweaking the environment and the agent at the same time until you get it the right performance. Because yes, right. we're not perfect. We're not going to create perfect rewards at the first time. And I can assure you that the first time that you create reward functions, you it's just, you don't think the same way or mm-hmm. in a mathematical sense. You can, you know, the agent at one point is going to be like, oh, that action is good, but it's like 0. 0.0001 uh, better than the other one or worse right. than the other one. And you didn't see the 0. 0001. I mean, it's just not going to happen in your brain. Right. So th- those kinds of things you can adjust then in, the, in that second phase. And then the third phase will be the training sort of mechanism, right? Because this agent could be good, but you, might, you may be creating like different versions of your agent and then testing mm-hmm. me- multiple versions of your agents against each other, you know, and so on. And then there's some training mechanisms. And, and this is actually very interesting in, in reinforcement learning. Um, you know, there's such a thing as uh, curriculum learning. Right, which basically mm-hmm. means sometimes your agents, um, it, the problems are so hard that it doesn't make sense for you to go after the big thing straight, right? So you're not gonna drop off your baby at at the university or at an office and say, hey, go ahead mm-hmm. and you know have a job. 
Um, no, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that'd off. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, the, but you know, the, there's such a thing in reinforcement learning called uh, curriculum learning. And curriculum learning is a sort of like a big umbrella. But you can think of there are multiple little branches, such as the, there's something called self-play, which is basically mm-hmm. what I what I mentioned of a version of yourself. There's all, also something called game, league play, which is what uh, the folks at DeepMind and OpenAI use for their for their agents, basically. They, well, I, I don't know if the OpenAI that I'm not 100% sure of that, but I know that the DeepMind folks did that. The Alpha Star basically had a league of multiple different different AIs and also different agents that kind of exploit behaviors that they found AIs would you know converge to, and then so you can have a league strategy so that your AIs are really really robust uh, and good against all types of agents and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think that that pattern uh is is it's a good one in the in the practical sense you first go to your to environment then move to your agent then go to the training and obviously you're gonna have to go down you know up and down the 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 pipeline uh multiple times it's not a one one thing but you know but if if you do start without touching any of the of the rest you have a (laughs) uh trust me now you're, you're gonna have a better time and and you know gonna it's gonna be better yeah it makes sense Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Yeah, I remember I took an AI class in college, and yeah, we were using all these algorithms just to find kind of the optimal path for a tank and then when to turn and when to shoot and all that stuff and boy this would have been kind of fun yes, <laughs> to yes. dive into with that yeah and then you have that that AI class you remember if it was like quote unquote learning or it was more like a search type of algorithms i mean in the ai classes they, they teach both but but i wonder if you yeah remember. do you remember no yes yeah they it? it was mostly just searching and yeah okay okay yeah like i mean we, this, yeah yeah yeah. So, so, and you know, interestingly, AIs or reinforcement learning AIs can actually use those kind of search methods as well as, you know, to kind of be better. You know, some of these you can mm-hmm. think of it as uh, some people call model based, right? So, right. You, you have, a, you basically learn a model of the environment, the dynamics and so on, or, you know, you're perhaps given that in advance, but that would be to me, you know, a sort of planning method as opposed to to an actual learning method right uh yep. but you know you get that you learn the model and then you use that search algorithm and they're mm-hmm. pretty similar they just do that you know search through all of the possibilities and then you know modify your behavior based on that search yeah uh, now without taking the the model based reinforcement learning methods do not just rely on that search method right they use the the search method to kind of guide their path, but they do continue to explore as opposed to go through the quote-unquote optimal. Why? Well, because they know that the model is not perfect. They just learn right. that model and so on. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of digging this. I want to go play with it now. <laughs> um, it's cool. It's cool. It's addictive. Do you, do you have... Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's all addictive. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, life it's is, crazy. right? It's good. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a little curious. Do you have some favorite models off the web that you recommend people start with? Or Okay. For, yeah, for I guess main... you can pull some out of the book too, right? 
Yeah, so I, I do have, I provide, so, okay, for people to start playing with that, I recommend the ones in the book. Uh-huh. I, I try to make them all in the same sort of one function. So right. I try to make it easy to for, for learning, right? So that was the purpose. Now, if you mm-hmm. want to do it for like performance or, or after you learn the algorithm and you want to like, you know, move on to something, you know, high, good implementation, I do not recommend. Obviously, the ones from the book, they are not meant for uh, right. production quality. I recommend though, RLib is actually, it's come to be a, it's a library, uh, RLlib. Um, mm-hmm. It's a pretty good library. And they have not only really good implementations, but uh, what I do like of their code base is that you get to use, it is pretty easy to kind of have a distributed learning system. And when you get to mm-hmm. really challenging problems, there's no such computer that can just train your agent at once. I mean, you need, multiple computers, you know, and, and each component of the agent is going to be residing in different computers. Uh, mm-hmm. And and, and the, those computers are going to be optimized for the particular part of the agent. So the, the agents are no longer inside of your computer. They are distributed, right? right. And, and in this case, it's actually really good. I, I actually think that they have implemented a pretty good package. I mean, it has bugs and obviously, but I mean, mm-hmm. super complex. <laughs> uh, library so you you it's not perfect is i guess is what i mean but mm-hmm. it is definitely the well to me the best so far uh so i would recommend uh the ones in my so my book actually has a actually you don't even have to buy the book for that you go to the github repo and check it out it's uh well m i m o r a l e a that's my handle and you can find me there in twitter just basically everywhere and then github so github M I M O R A L E A, and then oh uh, forward slash G D R L, Grokking Deep Reinforcement Learning, G D R L, and you know, just grab some algorithms there. Now those those algorithms, you know, in the early chapters are very simple, and the idea there is to kind of like that get get building intuition, right? This is what it is, and so on. And then as we as as we move uh, forward in there, yep, that in, that right there. So as we you know continue then the algorithms get more and more complex and you do have the sort of quote-unquote deep reinforcement learning, which is just a fancy word to say, you know, neural networks with a bunch of neurons. Uh, you know, I, I know I would mm-hmm. be, so, some folks are like, no, it's more than three layers or it has to have this many. <laughs> I don't give a, I don't care, guys. Sorry. I just say, if it has a deep network or a neural network, sorry, I call it deep. That's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Though in my book, I try to make three layers so to please some of those guys. Well, three layers with one hit and never mind. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I was thinking of those guys who have a laptop and, and are like going to train this thing and they, they have to take like, you know, like five hours to train or something like that. They, that's, you know, that's not fun. So I try to make them not as deep, but you can obviously add layers if you like. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's where to find. I, I would recommend those two so, uh, resources. So one other thing that I'm a little curious about, because you're you're watching this and we keep seeing new advances in the arena of AI or machine learning. Are there changes that have happened since you published the book or changes within the reinforcement learning arena that you see coming down the pipe now that you're excited about? Uh, that's a good, uh, yeah. Well, so unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> This is a very fast-moving field. Mm-hmm. And yes, I mean, many of the algorithms are no longer, quote-unquote, state-of-the-art. 
Okay. Even, you know, even PPO has been, you know, the kind of like the best algorithm for a long time. You know, you don't, you know, you you have now the FASIC policy, whatever. And so they they continue to change and improve. And that's a good thing, but it's a bad thing that Ralph now for, for it's it's a bad thing for the newcomer. Right. But that being said Uh in the book, I try to focus on the things that do not change. And I think I did a good job at that. And, and yes, you're going to learn about your fancy algorithms, A2C, A3C, PPO, self-factor critic, da, da, da. And those are fancy. And by the way, they, we're still using those algorithms. Those are really good algorithms. Right. So they're not bad. They're not old. They're just not the best. Or, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the sort of default form, you do have to mm-hmm. embellish these algorithms to make them the, the best, okay? Right. But their basic form... The, those algorithms are, you know, pretty good, pretty decent. And and so in the book, I try to, you know, distill the knowledge of, of what we learn from these algorithms as opposed to, you know, this is the way to go with reinforcement learning. I think I did an okay job with that. Now, I'm going to say that there are areas that I think are, you know, well, perhaps, well, I don't know. I guess I would say the the sort of learning strategies Mm-hmm. are things that people started paying attention more uh, recently as opposed to the actual algorithm. Right. Like, for instance, you know, the, the OpenAI folks, they achieve great performance at their Open5, uh, with their Open5 mm-hmm. agents in the, what is it, Dota 2, I guess it's called the game. I haven't yeah. played this game, but Dota 2. And they used a version of their PPO algorithm with a, with a little fancy network. So again, it's, very vanilla, very standard agent, yep. but they use a different kind of training strategy, right? And they, they concentrated on the on the sort of systems engineering and or, and more like you know the engineering of the training, mm-hmm. right? How how can we best train in a thousand servers? How we can how can we scale up this agent? And also when we have multiple agents, how do we how do we make sure that learning actually you know, progresses towards what we want. Like if you start playing with a, in a band, right? You have five mm-hmm. musicians and you none of you guys know how to play their instrument. And they, you guys start learning all at the same time. It's a little bit messed up. I don't, I don't think that, you know, there's yeah. going to be good learning. Now, if you have a drummer that is good and the drummer is keeping your tempo and stuff and you're learning bass and you go like, okay, okay. And, but the drummer helps you by being static and not learning. I'm telling you here what multi-agent usually, multi-agent systems usually need that kind of stuff. You freeze everybody else. And then you have one agent learning at a time, right? So that it can Uh get really, really, really good learning progress. I mean, they could learn Mm -hmm. with non-stationary environments, but it's much harder. So those kind of strategies, I think that's really where, where a lot of, uh, let's say a lot of the money, but figuratively, well, I mean, if you want to get a job, probably not figuratively, but anyway, a, a lot of the, the the progress going forward is going to have to go towards that, towards right. ways that we can make these same, same agents learn better and faster in our particular problems. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you brought up Dota too, and I think I haven't played it either, but I imagine from the people that have, I've talked to about it, that it's something like League of Legends. You know, so you have a team of players that are trying to beat another team of players. And yeah, so I would imagine the same thing, right? You know, assuming that the other side does the same things every time, right? Right, right. They're, they're, not, and, yeah, they're not learning 
while you're learning. Right. And that the other the other agents on your team also are doing the same kinds of things every time, you know, then then you work through multiple scenarios where, you know, they all do the same kinds of things over and over and over again. Yeah, then you can learn how to counter certain types of strategies coming from the other side and how to reinforce strategies on your side. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, so so I see a real Salt Lake. I, I suppose you're a soccer fan, maybe. It makes yes. Sense. I don't know. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, so it happens in soccer too, right? So you practice. You go to practice. You practice, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be practicing strategies and free kicks and everything. Right. You practice during practice. You don't practice in a match. You don't, you don't right. go and go like, oh, I have a great idea. Let's do this different tactic right now in the final. No, you don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Go practice during training, right? Prepare for the matches by fixing mm -hmm. different things so that you, your learning can increase, can progress. Right. And then you use that learning and then use it to perform. Now, you can adapt mm -hmm. during your performance, right? But I, I don't think, I, I think you can learn adaptation. Adaptation doesn't have to be right. just learning, right? And changing your style. So right. that kind of stuff is, is it's another way to, to see it. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. And I kind of think of this as uh, watching tape. My brothers played football. My dad would get the tapes and he'd sit with them. And, you yeah, know, and exactly. yeah, a lot of times it was, it was, look, you know, if you had just been, you know, half a foot to the left, right? right. You would have blocked better. Or if you had just, you know, come up just a hair faster, you would have beat that guy off the line. And right. Exactly. Same thing in soccer and soccer's my sport. That's the one that I love to watch. Right. And so, yeah, you know, if you had, if you'd gone up against that guy for the head ball, you know, a split right. second sooner or later. Right. Or if you had been a little bit more aggressive, right. To get him off his line or, you know, things like that. Yeah, you can start tweaking it and and letting people know, okay, you know, you don't have to completely change the style of play that you have, but if you push it a little bit more this direction, you're going to get better results. Right, right. And it's exactly the same type of learning. I think, so, well, future advances, I'm going to say should come, but, you know, I, I think definitely there has to be more movement there because... That, that is definitely where we're lacking. I mean, I'm sure definitely there's, mm -hmm. there's ways to improve algorithms and so on. But I think we got that one at a good stage right now that we need to continue working on the sort of uh, how do we best train these guys? And then sure, you know, iterate and get better guys and so on. But at, at this point, I think we're in the, in the, in the training mechanism, especially for multi-agent. I think that's that mm -hmm. because, you know, that's where we're, I guess, early on in reinforcement learning 2015, I guess those years, uh, everybody was, creating agents only and they weren't really well people are going to kill me for this but that's okay deep reinforcement <laughs> learning well I, because multi-agent has been around for like you know the yeah he's the 30s whatever yeah. but that's been, all right been forever. yeah but but yeah deep reinforcement learning in particular agents have been trained in single agent environments for a long time and it's just recently 2017 18 and well i guess we're 21 already holy cow we're we're getting yeah there. Uh, anyway, so recently, quote unquote, three years, four years ago, that we started, you know, training agents, the same deep reinforcement learning agents in in multi-agent environments, uh, right? With an opponent, with a collaborator, or with teams, right? Mm -hmm. So that that makes everything much more interesting. Yep, makes sense. All right, well, let's talk about the book for a minute. So, if I go and pick up your book, how should I approach it? I. You know, maybe people don't like this, but I recommend front to back. Like, I really try to do a good job at going baby steps at a time. It is not project-based. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to go like, 
oh, let's now build an agent to, you know, do the stock market because not everybody cares about the stock market. And I never, right. I, I think, so my intention behind the book was to kind of distill the kind of basics of reinforcement learning so that you can go and then apply it to your particular problem. As opposed to me going like, I'm not going to explain any of the details. I'm just going to plop a bunch of code and tell you, this code is for an agent that uh, trades in the stock market. I think that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't want that to be my book. I know there are other books that are project-based, but I like to have a sort of, uh, let's say, self-contained material. And I think my book does a good job at that. You, If you get your that book, you're going to open the first pages and it's an introduction. The first chapter is probably the only chapter that I would say skim through it is is kind of like a required chapter. You have to talk about the history of reinforcement learning and when it's good and when it's not. So you already have an idea. That's fine. Just move on uh, or skim through it. Look at the little kind of tidbits that I placed all over the book. And then, you know, after that chapter two on, just read it, sit and, you know, be comfortable. Yeah. My recommendation is you read the chapter, then go and play with a notebook. I, I have a notebook that uh, runs top to bottom Every single little code snippet in the book is in the GitHub repository. All the code is there in one notebook and it runs. I mean, you play from top to bottom and it runs. So my recommendation there is, you know, run it and then perhaps, you know, start making changes and seeing what the algorithm is really doing. How, how is it learning? Perhaps create plots, right? That can, that can give you a better intuition as to this is what's really mm -hmm. happening. Right. But I try to create plots in there and, and put them in the book so that so that, you know, that kind of stuff is there. But I'm but I'm not the best, you know, data scientist at all. Not at all. So you're a data scientist and can create cool plots. Go ahead and do it. Share it. Have others look uh, at your plots and, and, and you, know, you know, that kind of sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe silly word, collaborative learning experience. But I really mean it like, you know, mm -hmm. other folks can do better at plotting. Go ahead and plot and do that. And so and, and like plotting, there's many other things that you can do. And then my advice is go after one chapter and then think of what I can, what can I do if you really want to learn? And just what can I do, you know, from this and what can I share with the rest, right? And go do it. That right. little exercise is going to get your brain into it and you're going to kind of like get, get material, mm -hmm. um, you know, into your brain and, and then so on. You just keep moving through the books. I, I you know, I, the book, you know, for, for those who read it like that from, from to back, I, so there are tidbits that kind of try to repeat and and reinforce, well, reinforce, lack of a better word, reinforce the material uh, here and there. Those are, you know, designed with a purpose to give you a break to, you know, make sure that you bring concepts that you learned in previous chapters into that chapter so that you can see the relationship and the chain of knowledge as you go and move forward. And yeah, I, I would say that. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but I think I think that that is uh, how I would approach the book. Definitely. Right. Yeah, it, it sounds a lot like the advice that I've gotten from another friend of mine who I've interviewed for the Clean Coders podcast. And yeah, I was like, well, how do you learn a new thing? Right. Because he was like, so I learned Swift and I do iOS development. And then I went and learned Android and I do Android development. And I'm like, well, you know, they're pretty different. So how do you pick them up? And he, yeah, that's what he said. He's like, usually he just reads through the whole book one time. And then he goes back through and implements all the stuff in it. Oh, or then that's another good approach. Yeah, Right. But, yeah, but, but it's the same the idea. Point. Well, yeah. you know, you know what I think about it is like, how do, so if you're, let's, let's move from the mental realm, realm 
to the fiscal one, right? So mm-hmm. if you want to gain muscle, how do you do? You first have to eat a bunch. I mean, you have to feed your yeah. body with quality food. Okay, so if you're yep. just, you know, going online and just getting whatever you can get. Yeah, yeah Big Macs. <laughs> That's Big Macs. Do not get Big Macs. Get good material. Look right. at where the material is coming from and then feed your body well. Now, usually in my personal experience, I cannot just eat and go work out or, you know, work out and it, right. it, it, it just doesn't work well. So don't you don't have to do the two. Go read the book. In other words, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Go read the wor- the book. And then later you know, wait, wait a week or whatever, and then actually get to the code and try to implement it, all of that. And also if you kind of cycle through those better results, it's, it's, it's very similar. I don't, yeah. I don't want to stretch the analogy, but it's very similar. You got to feed your mind the proper, proper amounts, plenty, proper amounts mm-hmm. and quality, you know, right. Foods, um, put it that way. Uh-huh. And then you also have to exert. If you don't exert, right. if you don't go and try to do it and kind of, get yourself to do it. I know that's the hard part, but if you don't do it, a, you're not going to learn. You're going to be a, a yep. you know, a ph- philosopher or, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, a, it, yep. it's just not going to work. Sorry, it's not going to work. But if you want to learn, that is the, definitely, it, it works every time. That's the beautiful yep. thing. Yeah, it, it's funny that you brought that analogy to bear because I just, I just barely signed up for a training program. I've decided I want to run, uh, actually go to an Ironman. And, uh, so I, yeah, so I, I bought this training program and the training program comes with videos, right? And so it, it walks you through, okay, here are the concepts you need to know. Here's how you think about your training. Here's how you eat. Here's how you, you know, here, here's what we mean when we say do this in the pool. Here's what we mean when we say do this on the, on the trail when you're running. Here's what we mean when we say do this on your bike. And yeah, I mean, you have to understand what all of this means. And then you have to go and actually, yeah, you have to feed your your system the right way, you know, eat the right stuff. And yeah, you've got to go out and do the work. Because if you don't, then when it comes time to actually go run the race, you're not gonna be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's super, super interesting, because I even, you know, the analogy, you can stretch it, you can stretch it. But I would say that you can actually get you know, mind fat, right? You can actually get so mm-hmm. much information that you just cannot move. You're like, okay. Yeah. What it. about this? And but what about like, that? <laughs> Let me watch another video on this. Yeah. Just to make sure I got it right. That's it. You're over, you're mentally obese, right? Which is yeah. fine. I mean, we're humans. I'm not, you just like, yeah. I'm actually like 30 pounds after this uh, 2020 Grace uh, mm-hmm. lockdown year, right? So uh, yep. you know, I'm I'm guilty, but I'm saying that it does happen. Which is very interesting, and mentally, it also happens. People start going like, one more paper, one more video, one more. No, that's not how it works, guys. You read one thing, you you know, watch one video, and then you go into the mm-hmm. exertion phase, which is the hard one. But when you break through that inertia, the the very first little bit, like putting your hands in the keyboard. That's it. Success after that, because it doesn't yep. matter. Once you start typing, your brain starts going, okay, now let's go move. Yep. Anyway. All right. Well, no, it's all good. And I, and I think it helps to kind of get people to take action, which I think is the important part. So I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes. I do have a coupon code that gets you 30 or 35% off. I don't remember if you go get it from Manning and they'll actually send you the ebook, right? You can't get the ebook on Amazon which is my favorite way because then I have a bazillion books in my pocket, right? If, if I'm stuck somewhere, I can go read one. But yeah, that's, that's the way to go. 
in my opinion, is to go get it from manning.com. So yeah, we'll have the link. We'll have the coupon code. Look in the show notes in your podcast app or or uh, come to the website and get it. And uh, let us know what you thought. Hey, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Miguel, we do have one more segment of this show, and that's picks. And the picks are essentially just shout outs about stuff that you're enjoying or, you know, or a good thing in your life or things like that. I'll go first and you kind of get the idea of what we're talking about here. So I have two picks. And the first one is I've really been enjoying The Expanse on Amazon Prime. So if you're into sci-fi shows, it is extremely well put together. If you've read the books or listened to the books, in my case, I listened to them on Audible. The books are amazing too. And anyway, I... I really, really, really enjoyed the books. A friend of mine actually tweeted the other day. He said, who's your favorite character from The Expanse and why is it Amos Burton? And it's funny because most of the responses were, oh, well, yeah, it is Amos, right? And it it was funny. We had a little bit of a conversation about, yeah, Amos is my favorite character just because he's so interesting, right? In the way that he acts and his motivations are so different from anything that I would do because he's a psychopath. But the flip side of it is, is that I really, really strongly identify with James Holden. And so, yeah, we had the conversation about that and what that meant and all that. So it, it was kind of fun. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a great book series. The characters are awesome. I think that's what they missed the boat on with the latest three Star Wars movies is that they didn't give the characters a rich enough feel. And so they, people don't identify with them the same ways they did with the original Star Wars movies, you know. Because, yeah, the technology was cool, but you really cared about the characters. Anyway, I'm getting way off on a tangent, but I'm going to pick The Expanse on Amazon Prime. And then the other thing that I had a really great experience with, and this is something that you all can sign up for, is I, uh, I started a coaching program. And I'm coaching people on how to become what I'm calling dev heroes. And what the idea really came out of was I talked to a whole bunch of people that were kind of stuck at Senior Developer right? So if you talk to juniors and mid-level developers, they're all going, I want to be a senior developer. I want to be one so bad. And then they get there and they're not really sure where to go from there, right? So they have that job for a year or two and they start thinking about, okay, where do I go from here? And some of them wind up in management and they're happy there. But some folks, they look at it and they go, I don't want to go down the management track, right? And I also don't want in three years to be in the same job, maybe at a different company, right? I want, I want to, I got a high from learning, from moving forward, things like that. And so I, I want to find that again. And that's what I'm creating. What I found is that if you go out and you start producing content and networking with people and things like that, right? Like we're, we're doing here with Miguel, 
uh, you know, I, I like the guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit. We've had fun chatting. You know, I can probably ask him to come back on and talk about something else or, you know, so I, I get, and I've learned a bunch, right? And so I get all the, all of that payoff, right, from doing this. The other part of it is, is that some folks are trying to either build uh, courses or build a freelance or something like that. And it's also a great way to kind of do that, right? And so maybe your high is, oh, I just made another couple hundred dollars selling a course, or I just helped another person with my content, or I met somebody that I can sit down with for a half hour and I can help pull them up, right? And so I'm trying to help people create positive things out in the community, but then also be able to profit from them either monetarily or emotionally or whatever. And so that's that's the idea behind the Dev Heroes. So if you're interested in learning how to do it, then you can go to devheroesaccelerator.com and it'll take you to an application. You can just fill it in. It, it's mostly questions about where you're at and where you want to get to. And then from there, if I think you're a good fit, then I'll get on a call and we'll actually do a, a one-hour strategy session. We'll talk through where you're at, talk through where you're trying to get to and see if you're a good fit for the accelerator. So I'm not letting everybody in. If you get into the accelerator, it's because I think I really can help you. Otherwise, I don't want your money. I'd rather have you, you know, move in a direction that's going to make you happy and not pay me. So um, that's kind of where we're at. So yeah, devheroesaccelerator.com is where you get that. Uh, Miguel, do you have some things you want to shout out about? My goodness, I'm, I suck at this. I'm, I won't be able to do it for five minutes, but I can. I, can I talk all the time. That's my oh. gift. Okay, <laughs> definitely. I'm like, I don't know. Did I watch? I think I watched a movie last night. Uh, what was it? Thor or something? I don't know. My wife liked that guy. Go. Should I shout out? No, that's ridiculous. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not going to do that. I am. Go- However, because it's reinforcement learning, I, I know I need to do one though. I would say, so I think the lectures by David Silver, by Sergey Levin, and then by, I think there's a new one also coming up, uh, Dimitri Berksitas. They, they are posting their lectures. These are high-quality instructors. And they're mm-hmm. posting their lectures on YouTube for free. Obviously, I mean, it's YouTube, right? So, I mean, for free, quote-unquote, you watch advertisements. But but other than that, it's pretty good. So, you know, I think that's a, that's the shout-out that I, you know, they, good job. Uh, I mean, they, they are doing not only a good job by, you know, just posting these lectures there and, you know, having it accessible to anybody. But, you know, they, these are, you know, MIT, Berkeley, professors, uh, DeepMind, I guess it's the UK of London, whatever. I don't know uh, what the uh, university is mm-hmm. uh, in there. Uh, but, um, you know, I would re- highly recommend that uh, for those who want to continue learning reinforcement learning. And I would say, yeah, that movie, that lucky guy, that he's fun guy. I mean, I like this guy. He's, he's <laughs> I ridiculous. Know, right? I had not watched this guy, but I mean, this is like fun stuff. It's, this guy is crazy. My wife was laughing her ass. It was awesome. It was great. But um, anyway, it's, it's an old movie. So, but you know, I, got, I have little kids, so I, I haven't watched. I, right. I need to catch up. <laughs> I haven't watched movies in like forever. <laughs> I know, right? My wife and I, we do a date night every Wednesday night. So we'll watch a movie or we'll Your kids are play a game, older board or, games. Or My youngest is five. My oldest is 15. So yeah. Oh, so you're, okay, okay. I, I so have, we have, we have the spread. My oldest actually. Oh, you guys are busy. Oh, my gosh. We haven't watched a movie in years. And then so yesterday, actually, in years. But, you know, we watched actually yesterday, Uh last night. We're like, oh, let's just do it. Let's do it at night, right? And, yeah, we watched that one. It was fun. It was fun. Yep. Yeah. No, I remember those days very well. 
I have five kids and yeah, the oldest 15 and I have a 13 year old, 12 year old on Saturday and then our Sunday, her birthday, Sunday, her birthday's on Valentine's day. That's Valentine's. Actually mine is uh, the 15th. That's fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Mine is yeah. 15 Happy in the birthday. morning. We were like, not Valentine's. Yeah. That would be double, double present. So you yeah. have, you have one coming up. That's great. Yep. And then I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. So yeah. Nine fun time. Wow. wow. Good. All right. Anyway. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks for coming, Miguel. This was really helpful, really interesting. And I love just diving into this stuff. Before we do that, I guess I should also ask, like, where are you on social media? You know, we, we have your well, GitHub link, but anywhere so else? I, I was very, in, huh, I guess, Twitter, but not quite this year for some reason. I've been a little bit more, like, careful with, uh, with the power of the Twitter. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that aside, you know, if, uh, if, you know, I check once a week or two weeks and so on. So I think social media, that would be it. Um, okay. and I, and I try to remove myself from every other social media, actually just recently, I rather more like sort of, uh, you know, instead of yep. socially meeting people, you know, getting to know one-on-one, I guess. And, you know, if, uh, folks want to send me an email by all means that that, that can happen too. So, and that would be my same, my same handle at gmail.com. Just send, send something, say, hi, it's all good. It takes me a while to respond. I'm not, you know, all the time checking social media stuff, but that's, that's what we got so far. All right. Sounds good. We'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. And thanks again for coming. We'll wrap this up, folks. And until next time, Max out. Yeah. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.